Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Kana Rinse interview special podcast. And for this one, I'm very excited because I've wanted to conduct an interview with this gentleman for at least two or three years, I think, since uh, since this particular website got going. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you all to Tim Colwell of Point and Clickbait. Welcome to Kana Rinse, Tim. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, so enthusiastically agreeing to uh, to join me for an interview. I didn't know uh, whether you were the kind of guy who was happy to you know come on the air and talk about what you do, or whether you wanted to uh, you know sort of keep it uh, keep it all under wraps. But um, it's uh, yeah, it was it was always nice to have someone so forthcoming, and um, it will be fascinating, I think, for us all to learn about. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, when did you start pointing clickbait, and what was it that inspired you to do so? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, don't worry about the interview, I'm, and I love the sound of my own voice, so that's not a problem. Um, <laughs> the the uh, so I actually used to be a video game journalist. Um, yeah. Uh, I worked for an Australian website called games.on.net, which was the the games, uh, I guess, arm of uh, an Australian internet provider called IINet. Uh-huh. Um, and, right. and basically uh, the idea was that if you were an IINet customer, you had this dedicated games portal, games arm that provided news and information and, and we had our own servers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I worked for one very similar over here. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, and basically, that ISP got brought out by another larger ISP, uh, gutted, and then lurched off down the street like some kind of Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. shedding hundreds and hundreds of people and making lots of people redundant across the country. And and basically, I was one of them. Right. And um, at that point, I'd um, already started to become a bit disillusioned with the whole thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had told my wife that, um, you know, the only time I'm really happy in this job anymore is when I, April Fool's Day rolls around and I get to write these uh, satirical articles <laughs> right. um, and uh, basically annoy my community, but but also just, you know, gratefully amuse myself. Um, and she said, well, why don't you start a, a website that's basically entirely that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I could do that, yeah, one mm-hmm. of these days. Um but then when stuff started to go down, I was like, you know, what, I'm just going to do it because otherwise I'm going to probably become insanely depressed and uh, I need a way to deal with all the frustration I'm feeling. And then and that kind of just snowballed into doing it several times a week for several years now. Uh, and honestly, I'm, I'm quite uh, very happy, very happy with the reception. And um, I didn't expect it to be quite so popular, um, <laughs> but I'm certainly yeah, very pleased with it and uh, have no intention of stopping anytime soon. Fantastic. I'm really pleased to hear that. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll get on to sort of the yeah the, the, the reception. But um, have you got any articles just to, to give uh, listeners who may be unfamiliar with with the site? Have you got any sort of favorites from over the years or, or any memorable pieces that you uh, you felt particularly satisfied with? I have a weird thing with uh, the website where the pieces that I think are going to do quite well and that make me laugh the most yeah. uh, aren't the most popular. And the ones that I just throw away yeah yeah because i had a half formed idea um <laughs> they are the most popular and everyone loves them um like I, one of the most popular ones of all time is just an ex- what i thought was an extremely throwaway joke about yeah. um feminism becoming more popular after being rebranded in tactical matte black for men <laughs> and i was just like oh that, uh, that's pretty funny i guess i'll put that up i didn't expect it to do well but it did very well 
Mm. Um, and, you know, like, an, but I'll spend ages making, a, like the other day I, I made a series of like, uh, you know, wouldn't it be funny if Call of Duty's cinematic universe looked terrible <laughs> and I made all these images of, of different Call of Duty movie titles, which amused yeah. the hell out of me. Yeah. But just wasn't very popular. Well, um, wasn't it? Oh, I thought I, I, no. I shared that one on our Facebook page, as I often do, thinking, yeah, this will go. Actually, you're right. It didn't get many. It didn't get many no, uh, clicks. So I, I don't know. know what. I, I don't know what. I don't know what the metric is. I mean, you know, like internally for me, it's just like, do I think this is kind of funny? Yes. Yeah. And I just press the publish button. Like, there's no more thought than that. I, I don't. You know, I don't really take the whole operation seriously. Um, uh, so that's about the extent of planning I put into anything. Um, but I thought that one was quite good after I'd stayed up very late doing all the Photoshop work. I was going to uh, say, that looked like a lot of work. Uh, it just didn't take off. Oh. That's okay. That's just how these things are. Perhaps That's it'll, just kind of predict what will happen. It's evergreen. It'll it'll come around again. Perhaps you can just re re uh, republicize it every every year. They announce a new Call of Duty and uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or oh, whenever. No, I've definitely, definitely got some of that ever, good old evergreen content, like. Um, you know, there's there's an article that just says Overwatch's latest hero now available for shipping on the PTR. And every time a new hero comes out, I just replace the image with the latest hero and republish the article. Um, and <laughs> nice. it works every time. It's never not. Although I had to change this one because this one is the daughter of Torbjorn. And the yes. last line in that article was Jeff Kaplan musing that the new hero should get together with Torbjorn, which is, of course, a terrible idea um, in this particular scenario. Um Yes, don't want to be seen to be advocating that kind of uh, thing on the website. Yeah, uh, but uh, perhaps that last line will come back around for the next year when yeah, it's not so. incestuous. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, I can't remember the first article I saw point and clickbait and I can't remember how it came across my path. But I do remember thinking it was one of those scenarios where I was thinking, my goodness, the industry needed this. It's needed it for years. And I hadn't realized that it was missing it. We needed the onion for, you know, a, a, you, pro you probably don't enjoy comparisons like that, but a, a no, satirical. No, it's, it's actually very flattering. Okay. So, thank you. <laughs> well, deservedly so. Um, and yes, there's a lot of, uh, you know, my, fa my Facebook uh, is, is filled with a lot of satirical sites. Some of them are very specifically British ones. I think like Daily Mash yep. is, a, is oh, a British Mash, one. Yeah, Daily Mash, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got British friends who share that all the time. It's got some really good, really good yeah. headlines. Yeah, it's spun off into a TV yeah. show as well. So um, hopefully, uh, I would love to see. I mean, goodness, the TV's bad enough for video games without them suddenly uh, thinking that we were sophisticated enough to understand a video game satire show. But who knows? Maybe one day. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, and so, like the, I love the games industry. I love video games. I'm mid forties. I've been gaming since the 1970s. I dedicate my, most of my life to either playing or podcasting about or or doing stuff relating to video games but by goodness didn't it need doesn't it need you know lampooning and and pricking at sometimes it definitely not, does not yeah. just the industry but everyone involved in it and surrounding it as well you know the likes of yeah, myself it's, included exactly. amateur podcasters and commenters <laughs> and game players and uh yeah uh, absolutely so was this was this kind of was this frothing up inside you for some time before? before oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and, and you know, like the uh, the thing is that I'd never really, because I, I was in game development for several years before I became a game journalist, so I felt like I right. had a pretty good handle on, on a different number of, the, um, of the, the aspects of the industry. But games journalism is where the industry becomes 
very self-important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't mean that in this. I mean, obviously, there's a stereotype of the wanky elitist games journalist. And yes, those people do exist. 100% they do. Yeah. But what I mean is that at, that is when you're essentially at the coal face of how bad the games industry can be for taking itself too seriously. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, when you get these press events and you get these, like, marketing releases uh, and you, you're involved in seeing a little bit behind the scenes of how the games industry just absolutely refuses to bend for any kind of reason or or take anything less than 100% seriously. You know, you can't even crack a smile at the wrong event or you can't even, uh, you know, be seen to acknowledge the existence of your competition in a press release, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was when I started to become really disillusioned with, like, aren't we all meant to be sharing like a magical journey of excitement through video games, not mm-hmm. being a really stuffy, self-important, like hyper-capitalist uh, mega corporation yeah. uh, that makes everyone involved angry and depressed. Isn't this supposed to be fun? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that was, I think that was, you know, part of the large incentive for, for creating the website. But Generally, you know, my experience with video game journalism made me realize how much video game development was a corporate affair with no room for personality or fun other than very carefully stage-managed personality with a capital P. Oh, gosh, uh, yes. that, that isn't real in any way. I mean, you know, we've all seen the E3 presentations, you know, oh. where, like, executives who clearly have no idea how how much a banana costs, you know, to use the, the, the old... Um, the reference or is that? I can't remember what that TV show is. I don't know why I bought that reference in. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know what you're know, how much how much could a banana possibly cost? Ten dollars? <laughs> I can't remember the exact quote. Anyway, I mean when you see these TV exec these executives on, on yeah. the show floor and, and you see these awkward rappers they brought on oh. um, and the forced banter that Ubisoft puts oh. on all their multiplayer games, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And you're just, just thinking about and, it. And you just yeah, and you're just like is, what the fuck is this? Oh, sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Is that okay? You can. We'll, we'll, we'll put an explicit tag on this one. Okay, no worries. Sorry, I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Oh, no, it's um, fine. But, you know, he's like, what the hell? You know, what is this? Like, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, and, you know, when you start to actually try to push back against that and you try to be critical of it, then you experience, you know, the, the, the CD, uh, not the CD underbelly, but... You know, mm-hmm. the side of the industry that they would prefer not to promote to the public, which is that they are viciously controlling, they are punitive, uh, and, and they are very willing to blacklist anyone who doesn't play along. And, and you know, like ultimately that's their right. I mean, I can't deny them their right, but this isn't like the same as public interest journalism where I'm exposing lead poisoning in the water of a small town or something. I, I get that. But um, at the same time, it's very frustrating when you want to do your job and you are viewed by the industry as an additional marketing tool and they expect you to basically do whatever they ask. And and that can be very disheartening. And, you know, I was blacklisted from a number of outlets in my time right? Um, uh, at, when I was a games journalist. And um, it's not pleasant. And yeah. it's, it's really a... a it's a realization that they control everything um, and your business is built on top of theirs. And if they don't like what you're doing, well, 
too bad. They'll just cut you off, like turning off the tap, and and they'll yeah. do it all the time, you know. And and that's just the reality of the industry. Am I understanding right that you were a developer before you were a journalist? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's so un- that's actually, the unusual way round. <laughs> yes, it, it is, isn't it? Um. Uh. So yeah, basically, I always wanted to make video games all my life. You know. Um, yeah. Since I was a young a young lad, and um. And I went to university and I was doing a combined computer science and multimedia degree. Mm-hmm. And then they actually, the university I was at introduced a, an actual games development degree. And I just went into that instead. And um, I graduated and then I got a job with a local startup, uh, which was called Interzone Games. Um, and what they were doing was working on a, a football MMO, um, a soccer MMO for the American or Australian listeners for huh. um for the brazilian market nice. and it was called into the ball um and it was really cool actually it was a really cool game and um i was a world designer on that so i was building building the uh, cityscapes and the soccer fields and stuff like that awesome. and um did that for two years and then the global financial crisis came along right. everyone's friend the global financial crisis and that uh that resulted in our company, which was being bankrolled by an American company, basically just shutting down. And they, um, it became a real sub story. And it's all out there if anyone wants to Google into Zone Games and look into it. But mm. basically, they they shut down the Brazil studio. They shut right. down the Chinese studio in Guangzhou. Mm. And then we were the lead development studio in Australia. And they kept us going for as long as we, they could. But they kept cutting our payments. And they were late. And the rent was behind. And and we had to work long hours because they were pitching the game to all these publishers desperately trying to get it to, to take off. And at the end of the day, they just, just couldn't. Um, and that's when I first discovered that CEOs were actually genuine scum because <laughs> the CEO, who at that point had been becoming increasingly demanding and writing increasingly demanding emails to the studio staff, and we were all in disbelief at the tone of these requests yeah. kept coming. And then eventually he said, well, look, folks, we're out of money. Got no more money at all, totally flat broke. So what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, shut you down and we're going to come in and, and, and we're going to take all everything you've been working on. We're going to pack up all the servers and, and pack up everything and we're going to take it back to the United States and we're going to take out a loan and hire a crack team of developers to finish the game. Hmm. Um, and, they, and once they've finished your game, and we'll put it into open beta and, and then we'll take it to market. And if it sells well, many years from now, when we're finished with that, then we'll think about paying you what we owe you. Right. And needless to say, we basically told this guy to fuck off um, in no uncertain terms. Please mm-hmm. fuck off. Um, and he sent his lackeys over anyway and they came in and demanded everything and our lead studio manager resigned on the spot. He said, no, no, I resign. Uh, and they said, okay, sure. And they took his keys and then they changed the locks and then they called the cops on us. Wow. And that was really my first introduction to uh, this is the brutal reality of games development. Um, <laughs> it makes a and, lot of uh, sense why you're now yeah. lampooning the industry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, and uh, and basically, so we staged kind of a sit-in um, and the, the cops came and moved us out of the entire park where the building was. Uh, we called the media and stuff like that. And um, basically, they locked the doors, they cleaned everything out, and they took off in the dead of night. And we, all our property was still in the buildings, you understand, our yeah. personal property. Um, yeah. And so we had to petition basically to get it back uh, over, over the coming months. And 
it was just insane and very stressful. And we all, yeah. you know, it was a real like a bonding experience for a lot of us. We're all, we're all still speaking and we have, we maintain contact, but yeah. it was a real bonding experience. And, and, you know, there's some justice in the world, I guess, because the CEO is now uh, this year, sorry, late last year being arraigned on a number of charges of investor fraud. Wow. Um, he was apparently saying, soliciting all kinds of investments saying things like oh yeah you know kanye is investing in my products and the sheikh of uh the, the some, some middle eastern country i can't remember the name i apologize but you know soliciting all these donations uh, kim kardashian has invested in my company uh and and uh yeah so now he's being arraigned for fraud and also for rigging a sheriff's election uh in the u.s and yeah he's up on a number of charges and if they go wow. ahead he'll be in jail for the rest of his life so the wheels of justice move very slowly, but they, they do get there, I believe. And um, I, I was able to help Interpol with some evidence and stuff. They came and interviewed me for a few hours and I handed over heaps of paperwork. I don't know if it contributed, but I hope it did. Rot yeah. in hell, Marty Bricky. Rot in hell. Wow. Um, awesome. And, uh, that, yeah, so there's some justice in the world regarding that. Uh, but, yes, my knowledge of game development, even though it only went for two years and, and my yeah. university degree's worth of study was – has really helped me to, you know, be able to ask some really useful questions when I get to interview industry figures and also has given me, you know, I don't know, point and clickbait is very explicitly pro-developer and anti-publisher. Yeah. Yes. Um, very explicitly. And, and you know, I make no bones about that. I mean, I, I'm a trade unionist in my day job now. I'm a union officer. Right. And I am for the working class uh, <laughs> like uh, 100%. And, and, you know, like one of the differences I think between point and clickbait and and other places like the onion or that sort of thing is that I am very clear about what I expect or what I, what I believe is right and correct and true in the world, yeah. and that is that I am pro developer and anti publisher. And and uh, you know I have written a lot of joking articles about how publishers are de you know pleasantly enjoying the lack of uh, unions in game development, and how publishers yeah. you know work people to the bone and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very clear on where I stand and I think that's informed by my own experiences in basically, you know, having our, our stuff ruined by CEOs uh, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's basically a little bit of background on that. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, on that subject of you being sort of quite, uh, I would say, blatant and apparent about where your sort of feelings lie politically, um, I one of the things I enjoy about your work is that I think it's fairly apparent where you sort of stand in terms of, uh, you know, the liberalism and the alt-right and things like that. And uh, I wondered if that's brought you any unwanted attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't. You know, you can't even say the word Gamergate online without hundreds of people who who have, you know, Twitter search columns dedicated to it, trying to find you and tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. Um, so yes, it has absolutely, and and you know that's. Let's just say that I have about 400 accounts muted on Twitter last time I checked. Um, yeah. It's just not worth your time engaging with them. Um, but yes, it has. It has brought me a lot of unwanted attention. Nobody's ever doxed me or anything like that. No, which not is yet. Um, good. good. Um, but I mean, I am male uh, and white, so it's I'm not necessarily the target of Gamergate, which is an explicitly anti-woman movement. Um, and uh, you know, so that's like not to be expected, but I guess that's a privilege that I enjoy, and and obviously an indicator of how messed up these people are. Um, yeah, but you're right. I, I am very explicit about it, and and I think like that's. You know, for me, um, I think that's part of the difference between like joke and satire. Um, 
in that I believe, and there are obviously different interpretations, but my interpretation of satire is that it should make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, and it should be, ex- you know, explicitly speaking truth to power. Like that's what the purpose of satire is, is, is to speak truth to power. And I hope that I do that. I don't know if I do. I hope that I do. Uh, yeah. But um, that's certainly what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm, I like to make the occasional dumb throwaway joke that doesn't really mean anything. But, yeah. but you know, when it comes down to it, I very much am keen to say, look, here's the power imbalance in the world and I'm going to speak to that. Um, and especially in video games that often manifests as developers uh, being exploited, uh, minorities being, you know, uh, ignored or, yeah. um, you know, corporations basically ruining everything for everyone. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I feel like it's very important to speak to that because the dominant narrative in video games is definitely the complete opposite of all those things. Um, occasionally they'll, they'll put up a veneer of diversity or, you know, they might say, look, you know, um, in this murder simulator, you can play as a black person. And it's like, okay. Um, and that's good, you know, like that's, I guess that's progress. Um, but they never address things like the fact that, you know, they ask all of their developers to work 80 hour weeks or that Mm. they've outsourced all of their 3d models to China because they can pay a lot less money there and that kind of stuff. You know, they mm. never talk about stuff like that because we're supposed to not ask questions about that. We're supposed to not talk about it. And, yeah. you know, I don't think... I know there are several senior industry figures who read point and clickbait. Um, yeah. Like cool. I the CEO of uh, Bioware really likes it, um, I understand, and has certainly shared it on a number of occasions. Um, probably because I make... Not CEO, the general manager, Aaron Flynn, probably because I make him sound like a huge badass. Uh, I don't know whether he is in real life, but he certainly comes across that way in, in point and clickbait articles. CEOs actually never share it because they all come across as huge assholes. But certainly yeah. one of my favorite aspects of point and clickbait is, is making all CEOs seem like, you know, they have their own uh, idiosyncrasies like um, Phil Spencer of Microsoft is just like a hapless idiot who um, can't work out how doorknobs work and uh, Yves Guimont of Ubisoft eats spiders um, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I definitely enjoy particularly lampooning CEOs and, and um, I suspect they may not be fans of the website. Certainly... I use my press contacts to try and get interviews with CEOs when they're in Australia, and they um they're mysteriously declined. Yeah, it makes it brings to mind actually the 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 famous I, I I'm going to assume there was an Australian equivalent, but the the famous British '80s satire show Spitting Image with the grotesque puppets, and famously like all the politicians used to watch it and kind of want to be on it, even though they were portrayed in this kind of grotesque light so i do wonder if no, maybe i've never heard of it but... oh, okay it's worth, worth checking out on i mean yeah obviously it's will, dated yeah, yeah. but uh yeah spitting image it was uh, it was a fixture on uh, sunday nights and it was yeah it was um they, there was an american version which they called dc follies but it was way too gentle spitting image was absolutely brutal and oh, yeah, um, yeah i was gonna say like british satire is always top satire in my opinion um american satire and you know that's obviously not broadly true but just Sorry, that's obviously not always true is what I mean to say. But, um, you know, uh, mm. British satire is really like this. There's a real shared culture, I believe, between Britain and Australia in terms of yes. satire. And obviously that's, yeah. you know, due to colonialism in some aspects, but uh, that we really hate authority figures. You know, yeah. we have no respect for them. And if you've ever been to Australia or, or watched Australian news or read Australian newspaper, like we have no respect for our political figures. <laughs> you know, we see them in the street and we yell at them. You know, yeah. we, we just abuse yeah. them. We absolutely just Excellent. detest them. Um, mm. and, and, you know, when we see people being respectful to authority figures in Australia, we just get confused and, and a little bit weirded <laughs> out. Like that's, it's like a betrayal of everything we stand for. Like we look at 
you know, these people in the US, I think, where they have a weird veneration for authority figures and they call the president sir and stuff. And we're yeah. just like, what the hell is that? Like, I you think just waiting. don't do it. Um, but day by day. <laughs> I think, yeah, Trump's slowly wearing everyone out of that. But, you know, um, yeah, so that, that's a real cultural difference I've noticed. And definitely how that manifests in satire is that, you know, Australian satire and and British satire are a lot more aggressive. Just no holds, you know, no, no holds barred, no punches pulled, very much like just getting in there and saying, excuse me, everything about you is terrible. Would you care yeah. to comment on that? Uh, and, you know, like American satire is a bit more gentle, I think. I was going to ask you on the subject of sort of react uh, a reactive response. Uh, Jacob Geller from our team uh, asks, are there any headlines that have got you internet hate? Well, yes, we've established that. Um, but is it, is it, <laughs> yes. was it ever, because they, uh, has it been in cases where they didn't understand the satire um, rather than just they didn't like the point you were making? Um, yeah, so I think a good example of that would be um, I wrote an article about, uh, I think I can't remember the exact headline, but I think it was like uh, incredible the Nintendo Switch breaks if you simply run over it with your car. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. the whole point of this article was that articles like places, other websites had been, this is when the yeah. Nintendo Switch was just coming out. You know, they were like, oh, well, let's see if the Nintendo Switch breaks. And then they film themselves just bending it until it basically breaks. And they're like, hmm. Guess it breaks, uh, yeah. and it was like, wow, yeah. what is this? And you know, everyone was making fun of it, and I was like, oh, I'll make fun of it too because it is dumb. Uh, but then that that actually got taken seriously because it got screenshot and taken out of context um, <laughs> and spread around just as a screenshot. Uh, and and people were like, wow, is this really what games journalism is up to these days? Like, wow, how low the profession has sunk. And yeah. I'm just commenting on this screenshot, and I'm like, I what <laughs> this yeah. is, that's the joke you know that's the joke guys uh, yes so, and, uh, and i was like wow okay this is sick. i mean but that's not you know that's not really new like one of the great things about the internet and i say great very sarcastically here is that it's very easy for people to screenshot you and take you out of context and that has happened a lot to me especially in terms of just people stealing the articles and then posting them on twitter and getting like ten thousand retweets and it's like okay well that's my joke actually isn't it so yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen i suppose um I can't do anything about it. Although I do watermark all my photoshops now <laughs> relentlessly. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So that, that was a good example of people not really understanding the headline, but only seeing it taken out of context and thinking that it was real games journalism. And I was yeah. like, well, I mean, I guess that's really indicative of the industry lately, isn't it? Yeah. So sure, I'll take the joke, what, whatever. And if you, and, and also on, on, you know, if you annoy certain people, with satire uh, or, or confuse them, then yeah, in, in a way, yeah, it's absolutely justifying, you know, the, the subject matter. It's, it's suggesting that there is a, there is a blurred line between either reality and, and fiction. Um, and also, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're annoying the people that you want to annoy, then uh, more power to your elbow, I suppose. That's actually, you're, you're, you feel like you're achieving something then, even if it can be inconvenient. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't think I have really that many objectives with um, point and click a bit, but one of them is definitely to annoy rich people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> target achieved um yeah yes. so my next question was which targets do you enjoy lampooning the most rich people <laughs> yeah, see there you go yeah, yeah i mean like definitely like i said um explicitly pro developer and, and very anti-publisher so when i get to make you know uh, articles about uh you know publishers doing really dumb stuff or i get to make like you know i get to make an article about phil spencer like uh, buying a PlayStation 4 in desperation as he runs out of ideas and then racing home and not letting his neighbor see it. Like that, that to me 
it's a very funny image or the idea of yeah. Phil Spencer like putting on he's got a big cowboy hat called his ideas hat uh, you know and he put, it's got like um, innovation uh, put in rhinestone letters on the rim and he puts that on in the darkness of his house and carefully fires up the PlayStation 4 you know that to me is a hilarious mental image um, I don't know if anyone else shares that but I certainly find it very entertaining uh, and um, you know stuff like that is my favourite because we shouldn't respect CEOs um, that's just a blanket rule and I certainly think that should also be applied to the games industry because we have this weird celebrity culture around them. Um, we're like, oh, let's humanize these CEOs. By the way, they're going to fire 200 people tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, I think we need to stop doing that. And if I can contribute to helping us uh, stop doing that, then I'll be very happy. Something that definitely happens. Uh, the questions from uh, Craig and Alex on our forum. Any tales of ridiculous headlines becoming near enough true? Alex says, uh, along the lines of how the master of satire, Chris Morris, seems to have predicted many things back on the day-to-day and brass eye stuff like Question Time Live from Wembley and Pedo Geddon. Uh, have there any, uh, <laughs> been any ridiculous stories Tim's published uh, which over time have actually become true? Yeah, um, so uh, I made a joke about uh, the Assassin's Creed movie coming in a variety of editions and it came true. Um, Especially, I don't know whether it was a global thing, but in Australia at least there was a company partnering with Ubisoft to market the Assassin's Creed game and you could buy tickets online and get all these ridiculous, uh, uh, you know, um, add-ons at various levels. Right. And it, it was literally my, my extremely dumb joke coming true. Fantastic. That's the one that, that's the one that comes to my mind immediately. But um, yeah, there's definitely been a few instances of it, but the, the Assassin's Creed one was just, yeah, like that, that was, uh, that was pretty insane. And you, there's some evergreen ones, you know, that always come true. Like, uh, you know, like one about, um, you know, wow, this, uh, you know, th- this, inter- this video game journalist interview really hits all the pre-approved talking points. Um, and I've had people like, uh, you know, cut, like screenshot interviews and then put that next to it. And they're like, uh, see, and you know, that's, so that always comes true. Um, oh, there's another one about like uh, a games journalist enthused, uh, bravely agreeing with a very popular Reddit thread. Um, <laughs> and that, that people always screenshot that headline and send it back to games journalists whenever they get angry at them. And I feel bad in some ways about that. Um, especially since that was largely aimed at Forbes writers who usually get the brunt of it, even though um, it was specifically a dig at Eric Kane and not at any other writers. Um, but uh, they all seem to get the short end of the stick when that comes around. But yes, oh, that, well. that, that, those are some examples I would say to that one. Nice. Uh, and I suppose the other side of satire is uh, famously in this country, Private Eye has been sued uh, any number of times taken to court on dozens and dozens of occasions over decades and decades. Have you come across any, have you had any threats or, or legal <laughs> issues? No, I haven't actually, um, which is nice. I don't know how it would work for me because uh, I'm Australian and yep. the site is hosted in the US. So I don't know which jurisdiction I'd get sued under. I certainly ah. hope it would be in the US because ironically, Australia has terrible defamation laws, um, really right. bad. Um, there's, and I encourage anyone who wants to do any research into this to do their own, but but it's just as a broad overview, it's very, very easy in Australia to prove defamation um, ah. because the legal threshold as written into the law is so low um, that you can basically prove you were defamed by just saying that you felt bad when you saw what you read. Uh, and Is this what happened with so- Rebel Wilson? 
Yes, it's exactly what happened. Um, right. And okay. um, I think it was a bit more involved than that, but broadly that that's a showcase yeah, of Australia's yeah. defamation laws and they sure. are terrible, like really bad. And it's actually had a really bad chilling effect on our media reporting um, because it's so hard for, it's you know, like the, the defamation laws, the threshold is so low and the penalties are so high um, mm. that many media outlets, uh, unless they're bankrolled by someone huge like Fairfax or News Corporation, are just unwilling to publish stuff that is they know to be true. Like recently, it was it was revealed that our deputy prime minister had been having an affair, uh, and how and his uh, his new partner was pregnant with his child, um, and this came out eventually. And all these journalists started saying things like, "Well, we've known about this for about eight months, but we just haven't reported on it because it was too." legally dangerous for them to do so um mm. and and because they can just get sued for defamation at the drop of a hat uh and they probably would have and you know that that's anyway that's neither here nor there but my point is that i hope i don't get sued under australian jurisdiction because yikes yeah. yikes folks um but uh you know i have never been sued i think it would be very interesting to get sued um and certainly i would probably uh part of me would enjoy it although part of me would probably be also terrified but you know normally uh that sort of stuff just begins with can you please pull down the offending material yeah and, when, and you know yeah. i get to publish that on the website and that's funny and then i get yes. to pull it down anyway so job done bit of notoriety bit of infamy probably a bit of publicity yeah. and you know and i think like it's a bad look for especially any corporation to sue a satire like outlet like Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a bad look. Like, oh, you know, this is like that. That's basically them saying you win, you know? Um, know, Like, we hate what you've written so much that we need to employ, you know, legal mechanisms to remove it because we can't argue against it. Um, And that's a win for me if that happens. So, and, you know, the Barbara Springs effect means that it will basically live on forever on the internet and there'll be nothing they can do about it. Very true. So I think they probably know that and they're a little bit savvy about it. I'm also curious. Uh, I noticed uh, through your Patreon that you, uh, you you will oh, actually no, this was on the, the main site. I think you you will actually provide satirical content for other sites. You've you've had stuff on PC Games N and, and Insert Coin. I was wondering how the sort of creative process to that work. Do they come to you and say, can you lampoon this particular news story or this type of thing, or um, is it just a no, case? I've of- never had um, I've never had them request anything specifically. Basically, okay. it's just freelance work. Um, and you know, because I'm, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I work for a trade union, so I I don't roll in the cash, Um, but, uh, um, I just, it's basically just freelance work, but they just said, you know, we need something funny on our site. Would you like to make fun of it? Uh, video games for us for money. And I'm like, absolutely. I would. Yes. Um, excellent. I also get asked to provide some content for a hyper magazine here in Australia, which is a video games magazine. And they, they were doing a, a big issue of, uh, listicles. And, you know, I got to publish some dumb listicles like, you know, oh, top nice. five reasons why this glowing stone orb I found on the beach will be the real PlayStation 4 killer. And, you know, top five video game fathers who are superior to my own idiotic useless father and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and that was very fun. But, yeah, basically it's just freelance work, you know. Um, and, you know, hey, uh, give me that cash. Uh, but um, that that's basically all it is. I would love it if someone came to me and said, you know, we specifically need this particular thing lampooned. Mm. Um, but I don't think anyone's really in the market for that right now. Okay. Well, it could happen. Uh, if, if we ever start doing better financially, I'll, I'll give you a call. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I've had people, you know, like, uh, like with PC games in, um, you know, I've, I've got an arrangement with them where they feel free to republish my content as long as they link back to the site. Um, yeah. and I've offered stuff to them, you know, and said, look, this was the most popular article for the week. 
And they've been like, look, we can't really touch that. You understand? Because it yeah. would upset people. And I'm like, I understand, you know. Like, you know, I um, like uh, I did an Overwatch one, you know, because th- there was that Overwatch Uprising event, which they did last year. And, and you know, the, they were all like, yeah, it's a four-player, like, you know, co-op against, uh, like, AI. And it's like, cool, it is. But also, in the story world, it's you literally massacring rebelling slaves, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. what it means in terms of the game context. And, and you're, they're very clear about that, but they don't bring it up. Uh, and so I wrote about how clearly, like, this that's what it was. And, you know, that was the joke. And they were like, oh, we can't really have the headline, you know, massacre of rebelling slaves on the website. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, because they've got restrictions. Like, I understand how it is. I've been there, you know, I've been in the game journalism space. There's certainly stuff that, you just can't publish if you want to keep the relationship going and you just yes. have to accept that. That's just yeah. how it is because they control everything. They control the access, they control the content. And if you don't play the game, you know, I mean, you've got, you, you, you can, uh, you can bow out of the game and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. We'll do it on our terms, but you got to be very rich. Oh, you got to have a lot of readers. And if you're a small outlet, like I was and a lot of other small outlets, you can't do that. You just can't. But again, it's a good sign that you're, you're, you know, you're one of the things again that I like about point and clickbait is it generally it's, you know, it's, it's punching up, isn't it? It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not satirizing the, the, the little indie developer too often. You know, I mean, there yeah, are jokes to yeah, be made about, definitely, about definitely. certain kinds of game and, and cliches and, and all that kind of thing. But it's not, there's no sense that you're, you know, you'd be bullying the little guy. Um, if, if you do anything particularly cutting, it's generally aimed at the big corporation or, yeah, or the large. Yeah. morass of unpleasant you know racist gamers online yes, or whatever. exactly yeah it, yeah i think you know I, I try to be very explicit about that you know because like uh, you know i really believe in you know like obviously punch up and not down is a very good blanket rule and i generally i did definitely believe in it but uh, it really you know for me it's about that power imbalance and trying to just figure out you know in any small way to get people thinking about why that exists and, and how it's manifested and what they can do about it um, you know, and even if it's something as simple as like turning to your friend at game development and saying, maybe we should join a fucking union or, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. because, hey, we, don't we work 80 hours a week and we get paid nothing? Uh, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it's just hopefully it's about making people take notice and, you know, I don't know, try. Obviously, you know, it's part, part venting for me as well, just a way of dealing with the frustrations. But I hope people read it and, and make them think about, you know, maybe some parts of the world are messed up and, and there are ways that, that that could be changed. Which leads me very neatly to uh, my final question, really, which is um, it's it's about uh, it's about things, uh, things that you would try to avoid when writing satire. So, again, Jacob from the team asks exactly that. And also Ryan says um, tangentially to that, what steps do you take to manage the amount of cynicism when writing pieces to keep the post from be- being relentlessly negative? Constant negativity is a really easy trap that humorists, especially satirists, fall into, yes. in Ryan's opinion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what steps do I take uh, mm. to, to try and avoid being too cynical? Um, yeah. I think. Sorry, I think I, I may have already forgotten the first part of the question there, and I do apologize. Um, That's all right. Just but, what uh, do you try to avoid? And Yeah, yeah what do I try yeah. to avoid? That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, um, so basically, there are two things I try to avoid, I think. And the first one is that, you know, whenever I'm about to write something, I'll go back over and see whether I've just been harping on about this for way too long and I need mm-hmm. to pull back and no one cares anymore um, because it's very easy to, to get care burnout in, when you're trying to be angry about something. And certainly, you know, in my own personal experience, for my 
my day job, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I go to the office, I sit down and I immediately get angry at, at the world and the state of our economy and, and the exploitation involved because that's my job is to, is to like deal yeah. with workers and help them. And I just get angry 24 um, seven. And it's very easy to burn out on that. So one of the things I'll do is I'll look back at the site and I'll say like, ah, oh, you know, I've really been banging on about loot boxes for the last two weeks. I was going to say, how many loot box articles um, are, is the limit? <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know, and that's something I'm keenly aware of. But it's very hard because, uh, you know, occasionally a CEO will come out and say something dumb, and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't let this one go." But yeah, realistically, right. you just gotta let it go um, because everyone already knows, you know. And and if you're preaching to the choir too much, then you kind of lose any any kind of uh, usefulness, really, that that the website might have. So it's important to yeah to look back, I think, and and to to say, okay, clearly. Anyone who's reading the site already knows about this. I don't need to harp on it anymore. And I really, I've run out of funny ways to say it, haven't I? <laughs> so I'm probably just going to stop. Um, but the other thing that I do is uh, I try and, you know, every so often I, I try to break it up with more long form absurdist stuff, you know, like the Call of Duty Cinematic Universe or like, um, you know, Far Cry, uh, Far Cry 5, like going too far and all the examples of Far Cry 5 going too far and, and you know, um, just more longer form dumb stuff that yeah. uh, isn't really, that it's just there to be laughed at and not really to say anything, you know. Um, and that's the sort of thing that, like a palate cleanser, I guess, you know, um, between courses. Uh, and and I think that is, yeah, one of the ways that I try and manage that because, it's, you know, he, you, your question asker is right. It is very, very easy to get burned out and, and to fall in the trap of being too negative because, you know, like broadly speaking, the world kind of sucks. Uh, and it's it's if you're trying to make fun of that and show it to people, then, you know, you've got to be careful that you don't leave them more depressed than when they actually started talking to you because uh, yeah. that doesn't help anyone, you know, that doesn't help anyone. Um, and, and that's the end game. You know, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot, basically. You don't want to poison the well. You want to make sure people yeah. laugh and they think and then they come back again. Uh, and yeah, so that, that's, that's how I generally do it. I like to, you know, try and not stick to the same thing too much and also to break it up with stuff that's, that's clearly just a, a fun laugh for someone. Um, and, you know, or, or really lighthearted, dumb stuff. Like I'll, I'll make some, um, you know, uh, we'll call them quote unquote viral videos on like Twitter and Facebook or whatever um, that are just really completely dumb about like Nathan Drake being eaten by fire ants or something like that. Um, and, and that for me is just a way of, you know, making a dumb joke that kind of resets the pattern and then we can all get back to, you know, being angry about something else tomorrow. Yeah, true enough. And um, yeah, I, I, I want to say that from my point of view, one of the reasons that I've you know, been sharing your uh, pieces on, on our social media for, for however long it is, is because I get the same thing as I get from the likes of Charlie Brooker and Armando Iannucci, which is that, oh, thank goodness, goodness, somebody else feels the same way about this subject as I do. And then you put it out there, you know, you share it on Facebook or whatever. And occasionally we do, you know, we do get the, somebody who's com especially when we were first doing it like people were like you know completely confused but um increasingly yes uh people i think now people know if you see point and clickbait great name by the way um 
um, that, that, that you maybe you maybe uh, we've had to literally say you know like this is satire um sat, you know satire clacks and then and that sort of thing but i think yeah. people are starting there's just not been that much of it in like we there's always been zany and absurdist humor around gaming like going back to the mm. magazines i used to read in the 80s lots and lots of um you know wacky humor some of it was great some of it was cringeworthy but yeah 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 actual actual satire um i think it's yeah it's it's new and and i hope i hope it uh, proliferates and you know not not that i want your site your your articles to get less clicks but i want more of this kind of thing you know i think it yeah, i think yeah, it's yeah. important uh, yeah i think yeah. you know and, and i think um broadly uh like the games industry in terms of its reporting has been becoming more aggressive uh lately and Sites like um, Waypoint uh, and, you know, Kotaku as well. Obviously, you know, there's, mm. whenever you say the name Kotaku, a certain section of the game, the audience rolls their eyes. Um, I don't <laughs> agree with that. Um, no. But, you know, when you ever say, you know, and, and, but I think um, Kotaku do really good investigative journalism in the games industry space and they're very aggressive. Um, and that's why they've been blacklisted yeah. so much. And, and, you know, I respect them deeply for that. Um, and certainly yeah. I think like if you look at the games industry trending broadly from say the eighties to today, it's become a lot more aggressive and a lot more investigative and a lot more willing to challenge the dominant narratives. And I think that's really good, you know, and, and I certainly think the, the, the stereotype of the hipster, uh, soy drinking, flannelette shirt wearing, bearded games journalists that, that game engagement and stuff like to promulgate is definitely on the way out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lazy and tired stereotype and, and the, you know, the mileage and that is running out. They definitely are becoming more aggressive and, and the reporting is becoming more forthright. But yeah. certainly I still believe there's a, a bit of a place for satire because we still are fundamentally, I believe the whole system is a bit broken and just getting angry at the occasional bit of clearly bad decision-making by a CEO won't really fix the system as a whole. But I certainly am, I'm, I'm pleased by long-term trends in, in the reporting space, and I think it's good. And, and then I think that, you know, things are generally moving in a really positive direction. Um, you know, there's been some other games, journalism, satire stuff come up, like um, the, hard, uh, hard, the Hard Times, which is a, a punk news satire thing and also a great name. Uh, they yeah. launched their own spin-off, Hard Drive, um, and they've been doing really well, and they've got some really great headlines. Um, they're taking kind of a different tack to what we're doing at Point and Clickbait. Um, they're much less aggressive uh, and very much more, uh, you know, about general humor in the gaming space, which is fine. Like yeah. that's that's their bag, um, and and we've got our bag, and and that's how it goes. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I certainly think we'll probably see more sooner or later. I've seen some very terrible attempts at gaming satire from oh, yeah. alt, alt-right trolls and gamergators and stuff, and like they're just you know to broadly yeah. generalize they're just not funny like it's not yeah. that it's not that like oh these people you know um it's not that the jokes themselves i don't know what i'm trying to say the point is that that sort of humor isn't funny like it's just it's 100% like they just don't know how to tell a joke because jokes usually involve an understanding of the world and in order to make them relevant to the audience yeah and they don't have that. Uh, and whenever I see them try it, they're like, oh, uh, look at this great, uh, like I made a joke about Anita Sarkeesian. Uh, the joke is that she's uh, she hates games, lol. And they all slap each other in the back and laugh. And it's like, yeah. mate, that is yeah. the, like, no one, that's shit. Let me just put it out there. That's shit. Um, you know, and there are so many jokes you could make that even, like, that, that would land. Um, yeah. even if they were cruel or whatever, but they just don't have the ability to make those jokes. Um, and they, just, they don't understand how it works, how humor works. They don't understand how, 
relevant anecdotes work. They don't understand how power dynamics work. They're not willing to investigate any of these things in order to make a joke that people will find relevant or laughable. And, and you know, so whenever I see that kind of thing, I'm, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you just, it broadly, you know, and that's the reason that you don't see any, like, right-wing, like, conservative joke outlets or satire outlets yeah. or whatever, like, you could look at any country in the world and say like, oh, now time to find my right wing outlet where they make humorous jokes and they just don't exist because, it, you know, like it's, it's a kind of understanding of the world that is explicitly mean and, and explicitly cruel and it's just not funny. And, and it's, yeah, very frustrating to me when I see these kind of uh, oh, people trying to make games humor because it's like you just like the idea of a joke is like, look, this game journalist is drinking a soy latte. And then they all pause for laughter. And it's like, oh, yeah. all right, yeah. I guess. Like, nice. nice. <laughs> yes. All right. That's okay. Cool. All right. Good joke. You know, Try some layers. That, yeah, really so many layers to that one. I'm going to be unpacking that one for days. Um, yeah. So that, that's, yeah, that's what I would say about that. But um, I, I definitely, yeah. I look forward to more game satire coming out and I look forward to more outlets taking a more aggressive um, stance towards the, the clear power imbalances in our industry. Um, mm. and, and I look forward to the day, you know, I look forward to the day when point and clickbait doesn't need to exist. How about that? Huh. Um, you know, yeah, because you. if, if, if the industry is great and everything is fine, then, then, then what's the point mm. in a satire, you know, in just a satire article, a satire outlet. So existing, like, obviously, you know, that's a weird thing to say, but look at the end of the day, um, basically point and clickbait exists to highlight bad things and to draw our attention to them and make us laugh while we do it. And if those bad things go away, then I guess yeah. good. Like, you well, know, maybe. The same way that, that I'd be happy if I was out of a job because all the industries I represent were no longer yeah. exploited. Like sure. that's good. That's generally good for the world. And, and if that's what it takes, then, then so be it. So I look forward to the day when point clickbait no longer has anything to complain about. Shuttered. As they say, yeah, <laughs> shut it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like shut down like a like a games developer after a game being released, whether it's successful or not. Right. Well, I agree with everything you've said. Um, so you. um, you've podcast. earned some <laughs> you've earned some links and plugs. Um, where can people who aren't familiar with your work find you and uh, support you and all that good stuff? Uh, yeah. So I mean, the website is pointandclickbait.com. Um, and there's Patreon links at the bottom of the page. If you like what we do, you can also make a one-off PayPal donation if that's more of your kind of deal. Um, and hopefully next week, fingers crossed, I don't know when this podcast is being released, but hopefully sometime around early March, uh, you will see point and clickbait Kickstarter, which is for the best oh. articles of 2016 in book form. Uh, or should I say mega form? Uh, yeah, magazine form, like a video game magazine, but um, point and clickbait content inside the covers. And yeah, so that's something I've been Real. putting together for a while. It was meant to come out last year, but I'm incredibly bad at doing anything. Uh, and so that will hopefully be launching um, yeah, next week. And, you know, you can pledge and get a copy shipped to you in the UK or the US or wherever you are, or just get a PDF copy, that kind of stuff. So that's something very exciting, which I'm, I'm very excited about. And um, But look, if you just want to read the website, all the articles are on there for free and uh, there's no ads or anything. So just uh, head over to pointandclickbait.com and check it out. It basically lives and dies on your social media sharing. So if you like it, tell your friends. And if you don't like it, don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, well said. 
Well, enough people telling me that anyway, so I don't need to hear it. Sh- sure enough. Well, Tim, thank you very much for your time. Uh, don't tell me about because you're in the summer over there. We're in we're in the middle of a particularly bitter and brutal winter. Uh, well, look, I won't so. tell you that it's going to be a beautiful 28 degrees today. <laughs> oh man! Well, you enjoy that. Uh, I will. I will enjoy that. I'm going to hang out some washing. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Yeah, it'll it'll dry because of the sun. That's what will happen. <laughs> yeah.